welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to d1softball.com for all the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedules, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use code PODCAST20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Texas A&M head coach, Trisha now let's get started i'm joined by my co-host Rhiannon podkey re how are you doing this week i'm doing great it's kind of feeling like fall where i am uh the weather's nice you know you got that little nip in the air in the morning and less humidity so uh, and there's games we've already got games this week for some of the fall you know schedule here so it's it's really uh, kicking in I'm, i'm loving it you mentioned the fall schedule, head on over to the site. Brady Vernon has the fall exhibition central ready for you. So we've got every single game that we've been able to compile. If there's something that we missed, you can email us and let us know, but loads of games happening uh, right now. Uh, we, we've got almost, gosh, I mean, I'm scrolling down here. We've got at least 50 games on there for you to check out. Uh, so head on over to d1softball.com for the fall exhibition central. That's fall ball. And in terms of the site, we've also, we've been releasing this D1 softball top 50 programs of 2022. Uh, and this week we've uh, released 21 through 25 uh, and 16 through 20. And uh, Re, what are your thoughts on this uh, top 50 programs and, and uh, what we've kind of released this week uh, and 21 through 25 Northwestern Arkansas, Minnesota, Baylor and JMU in that 21 through 25 slot. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to read. It kind of jogs your memory on some of the things and kind of shows you exactly. And you know, the readers can judge, obviously we, we kind of are more focused on the last decade, last 10 years, kind of recency bias a little bit, if you want to say 10 years is recency, but um, it's been, it's been interesting to kind of jog and, and realize like, and to see honestly, like programs like Arkansas and JMU and how far they've jumped and come, you know, and got into the upper echelon uh, and just kind of some of the old, you know, the ones, the powerhouses that kind of have fallen back a little bit. That's what's really intrigued me is kind of how you're kind of seeing now kind of a little bit movement over the years of some creeping up and some coming back. You've compiled them all. And I know, is there anything that's really stuck out to you about um, some of the things you've written? Cause they've been really good and really detailed and, you know, just the right length. So you're not like, you know, it, there's so much you could write about each program individually, but you've, you've handled it well. Is there anything that jumped out to you about the ones you were doing? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned it, but we are looking at the last decade and, and just realizing who has actually qualified to go to the NCAA tournament each year. I mean, that's really impressive in itself, number one. Uh, and then just how many squads have are consistently getting through a regional or consistently getting into supers and the women's college world series. We're getting down to that uh, as we get into the top 15 here, uh, realizing how difficult it actually is to reach Oklahoma city and teams do it uh, almost year in and year out. But again, I I think a a program like Arkansas, they don't have as many uh, per se appearances uh, tournament appearances as a Northwestern, but they're nipping on their heels because you know, you got to argue that Courtney Diefel's done a great job there as the, as the skipper uh, for the hogs. And, and then as we head into, we just released number 16 through 20, uh, 
Oklahoma State just ahead of Texas A&M. Uh, Oklahoma State, gosh, I, we were thinking they possibly could get a national title last year. They, they got the Big 12 championship over Oklahoma. Even that, there's so much that happened last season that to go back and take a look at it, it's just been really fun to kind of drill down and, and get a little snapshot of, of these programs and all they've accomplished in the last decade here. So again, head on over to the site, d1softball.com for the top 50 programs of 2022. And we've also got uh, some pieces that Rhea, you've done. Coaches in new roles and places. I'm loving these. Uh, new head coaches. Uh, we've got uh, UNCW's Ashley Wade and Illinois State's uh, Tina Kramos. What, what did you learn from those two uh, that we dropped this week? Yeah, you know, Ashley was great. New coach, kind of, you know, it's kind of the all kind of different, like two different situations, obviously. You got like a, an older, longtime assistant that's been in the game for years and years. And then uh, Ashley, who's pretty young and, and new and um, really excited to take over that program. She's, you know, it's very, you can tell she's very energetic about it. And that, you know, if you read the story, it kind of has a special, you know, that area of the country for her because her dad used to live there and told her that, you know, maybe you can move closer and, and come and take over a program around here like UNCW. And she had never been there until her interview, but um, sadly her dad passed away a year ago, but it kind of she ended up getting this job, which was seemed kind of, you know, almost fortuitous, like just kind of karma in a way, like, you know, fate, I guess you could say, but really interesting stuff. She's very, uh, very eager, energetic. She's, I, I thought the, the coolest part to me was that she's kind of spending like, you know, an hour a day with different players and is asking them their favorite spot on campus. So it's a way for her to learn about the campus and kind of be more in their element instead of sitting in an office where you kind of get a little bit, you know, it can be a little bit, I don't want to say intimidating, but just stuffy. So it's been fascinating. It was kind of interesting to hear the stuff she's learned about her players just through those little meetings she's taking on campus and then kind of gives her a little tour of the campus. Um, and then, like you said, Tina Kramos over at Illinois State. Uh, seven, she was a loyal assistant, 17 years as an assistant for Melinda Fisher, who's a legend over there at Illinois State. And, uh, you know, she was very, I, I just love the candor. Like, hey, I'm, I was getting old. Like, I, I don't know if I would have ever been a coach. Like, you know, at that point, like if she didn't get this job, she wasn't sure because you know, you don't want to say ageism in, in sports, but, you know, it does tend to skew you lot younger once you get to new coaches. Um, so she was just very grateful to be able to take over this program. And obviously she's very passionate about it and um, just really fun to talk to her. And there's some really good gems in that story that I would check out, but uh, you know, like she's going to bring her own little spin to it, but obviously having been in the program, I don't think tons is going to change for that program, but really doesn't have to their success and what Melinda built there is, is tremendous. And they actually, you know, they're they're kicking off fall ball this week. They're playing their games. So for her, it's kind of, you know, getting that chance to, to make some of those tougher decisions that, you know, you, you, you kind of contribute to, but you don't have the final say. She's going to be having the final say. And just really enjoyed hearing, like, how, you know, why she was so loyal and why she, you know, she loves, she just said she just loves being involved in kids' lives and helping them become better people and better women and so uh, she wanted to stay there because she found out she loved it and there was no reason to leave. And it's, it's kind of cool when those people get rewarded for that, you know, that longevity and that loyalty. Yeah. So head on over to the site and check out both of those coaches in new role places and uh, let us know what you think. So that's what we've got up on the site. We'll preview a little bit. We're, we're going to drop actually uh, the next set. So 11 through 15, we won't give it away, but we've got two pack 12 teams. Uh, two SEC teams and a Big Ten team uh, in that next set of programs.
programs. No and- MEAC teams and that there's no MEAC teams. The outrage. Maybe uh, they're on their way. They're starting to build. The MEACs, uh, man, yeah. they're gonna be outraged if they hear this and they're not in that. That's that's I just can't believe that. Yeah, so we've got 11 through 15 that will uh, be released on Friday. And with that, I think anything else, Ray, for the week? No, I think you covered it. I'm just really excited about this interview we have. It's great. Yeah, so why don't you enter who we've got coming up on the pod this week? Uh, super fun to, to listen uh, to her. Yeah, story. well, speaking of the new coaches, new places, we did one on her earlier this year. It's up on the site. You can check it out, but... Moving from Arizona State, the desert, to the big, big areas of <laughs> Texas. We'll talk about that in terms of housing and everything in the story. But a new Texas A&M coach, Trisha Ford, who is relocated to College Station and is in the middle of kind of learning more about her players and taking over that program from Joe Evans, who she speaks glowingly of in the interview. So big move from Tempe to College Station. And we were glad to have Trisha Ford to join us on the D1 Softball Podcast. Our guest today on the D1 Softball Podcast is new Texas A&M head coach, Trisha Ford. Ford was hired by the Aggies after a successful six-year run at Arizona State, where she was twice named Pac-12 Coach of the Year, including last season when the Sun Devils won the conference title. Thank you so much for joining us today, Trisha. Welcome to D1 Softball Podcast. I'm excited to be here and um, happy to talk some Aggie softball. Yeah, let's go right into it. How has that transition been to go to uh, Texas A&M so far? Uh, it's been great, honestly. Um, we're, we're still kind of in our four-hour individual group, so we're doing a lot of assessment and measuring and all that kind of fun stuff and implementing our plans. And um, But it's it's been a great transition. My, my personal side of things, my house is a disaster, you know, but, you know, all of that will, that, that'll work its way out. But it's, it's been a, a really fun transition so far. Yeah, well, you have two children too, so that's part of it, right? Like that whole process too. That that adds to it. It does. It it, it does. And my my son's a type one diabetes uh, diabetic, and so there's some other things that kind of flow with that. But um, my daughter's a freshman in high school and doing, you know, on the golf team, so she's doing well, and she'll play softball, and we'll see how it all like transitions out. But it, it's been it's been so far so good. So we'll say that. <laughs> What made this job such an attractive option for you? Obviously, Arizona State, you had a good thing going there, but what made you really think like this is the next step in my career and the place that I want to go? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a a couple of things, you know, I think um, A&M kind of fits my, um, I don't know, like my ultimate like my perfect world. So it kind of marries the small town feel, but big time college athletics. And so I really love that about Aggieland. Like, I feel like, you know, you are part of something and I I really enjoy that feeling. Like, I don't ever want to feel like a number. And I feel like that here at Texas A&M, you really feel part of of a group. And, And that piece, I really, that really attracts me. Um, I always refer to that as like bedside manner. Like when I play, you know, when we, when I coach, I feel like I want to be a coach that really knows their players and could get the most out of them. And so, um, I I think that this community has been wonderful. Like I walk into places and they're like, coach Ford, we're so excited you're here and can't wait to get out to Davis diamond. And, um, so that would be, you know, one of the things I think Davis diamond is another thing, (laughs) um, 
So those of you that have not uh, had a chance to come to Davis Diamond, it's, it's you know, the best, you know, facility in, in the nation. And so, you know, all of us head coaches, all of us coaches are, are wired very similarly, no matter where you kind of coach and to have the opportunity to coach in a place um, like Davis Diamond, I think is just an honor. Um, I'm taking over for Joe Evans, who, you know, is legendary and somebody that has always done things the right way. And I think for me, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, she, she left this place in a, in a great spot. Um, she's very, um, I don't know, like she has great values and traditions that I think are really neat about, um, you know, the program. And so I think, you know, knowing that going in and, and those things really align with me. So I, I've enjoyed that piece of just kind of, we're going to carry on some of the things that coach Evans has, you know, did for the last 26 years. Um, I don't think they come better than coach Evans. So like anybody that has anything bad to say about her, like I'm already like, absolutely. I, I know how I feel about you because she's a wonderful woman, you know? And so I think that piece, you know, is obviously um, something that attracted me. And, that, and I think the, the other piece is just, you know, their drive to support um, the program at a level that I feel like really aligns with myself, you know, um, we're all again, um, you talk about head coaches, we're, we're very motivated, we're, you know, we kind of have a disease, like we're addicted to, you know, uh, competition, we're addicted to, you know, like helping, you know, the females really develop and, and, and take these skills that they learn through softball and, and, and apply it to life. And so I think, when you're at a place that will support you at a level that you feel like you could be really successful at, I think when you kind of combine all of those things, um, I'm excited about it. So that is exactly you and you answer some questions within your answer, which was amazing that especially the Joe Evans part, which is a huge, you know, like you said, just that, oh, obviously an awkward situation for people, but it's good to know that you're kind of just kind of embracing the old and melding your new with it, which is pretty cool. And I'm sure an easier transition for the players. Um, Given that, you know, as a new staff, and I'm sure this fall is huge for you, what, what are you, how are you trying to approach the fall? What is your focus? Because I'm sure there's a lot that you're going to have to try to squeeze in at this time compared to people that are, you know, obviously returning. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a multitude of things. So really, it's like to get to know us. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, how do, what makes us tick? What makes them tick? Um, I, I think we're going to, you know, just spending a lot of time with each other and having meetings and conversations. And it's, I'm not a meeting person, but I, I love to have conversations. Like, I want to know about your families. I want to know how your sister's doing. I want to know how grandma's doing, you know, because that for me as a coach is just good information for me because sometimes you show up to, to the field and I'm like, Ooh, something's off, you know? And if I know that like, Hey, grandma has had some issues or we found out this, or we found out that then it kind of helps me um, coach them better. I mean, honestly, and just really connect with them. And I think that's what coaching is. It's obviously knowing my X's and O's and being able to execute and call the right plays, but it's also being able to, I don't know, pull the strings when you need to pull them, right? And, and understand what strings you need to pull and when do I need to be hard on them and when do I need to put my arm around them and give them a hug? And I think the more I know my players, the better I become at, at kind of understanding and orchestrating those that string. So I think we'll spend a lot of this fall of, I mean, getting to know each other and, you know, spending that quality time. And I actually just met with the pitchers here and I told him, I said, as soon as my house does not look like a tornado has gone through it, you know, um, we're going to get together and, um, you know, have, you know, dinner. I like for them to kind of see my space too. Like my kids are always around, but I think for me to be like humanize me, like I'm not coach, you know, like I'm like, I'm coach for like, this is part of my life. Like this is who I am. 
Um, cause if I want to learn about them, I think it's important that they, that I also like open up my, myself to them. So, um, and then I think the other thing will be like starting to lay down our foundation, kind of our, like how we do things, why we do things certain way. I think the one thing that's been, um, we've kind of overloaded with them, um, with is like, we're a, like, I don't ever make decisions about things unless I have data and information to kind of back it up. Um, and so like we do a lot of measurements. So from a player development standpoint, from a softball standpoint, pitching standpoint, like everything that we've been doing is kind of just gathering data, gathering data. Okay, what does this look like? And then we'll start to make some decisions from that and kind of, okay, how do we want to attack so-and-so in the weight room? How do we want to attack so-and-so on the field? How do we want... And so I, I like to kind of balance, you know, the, that information and, and make sure I'm making a, as best as I can, educated decision um, with kind of like, you know, what we're going to do and, and why we're going to do it. So um, it's been a lot of that up to this point in time, but moving forward, we'll just, you know, lay the foundation. What is our offense going to look like? How we do things? How do we practice? You know, just like our standards. You, your own career, you were an All-American at St. Mary's and the only female student athlete to ever have her number retired, if that's still correct. Yeah. I sure. wasn't an All-American, but yes, <laughs> but I did, I have had my number retired. Yes, <laughs> but thank you for that. <laughs> How is that possible? First of all, there's a, there was an error. Maybe they only had one team back in the day. Now they have like seven. Yeah. So well, I'm making you one. <laughs> I'm going back in history and rec record. We're just going to go check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's call the NFCA right after we get off this call. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. But how have things in, in the sport, you know, since you graduated in 1999, how have you seen them kind of change and evolve from, you know, just being in coaching and from when you played? Yeah, I mean, I, feel, I think, you know, a lot of things, and I think it's how you look at it, you know, um, I think you hear people say like, they're not as tough. They're not as, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think it's like, I just listened to my coach and like, okay, whatever you said, you know, I think they're just smarter to be honest with you. And so I think it's really important for me to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it and show them. I feel like, you know, you think about this, this generation or these generations, they're visual. Everything they do is on their phone, right? Which I, I'm not a phone person. I'm not a big, you know, but here that that's my reality though that's my that's who i'm i'm coaching and so like i i need to be able to like explain to them what we're doing why we're doing it why it will help them be better at whatever skill set we're trying to get them to be better at and then i need to show them i mean, I, and i think that's the piece that i think has really changed um, over uh, the years, you know, I just did what I was told to do and coach told me to, and that was it. Like, I didn't, you know, you just didn't really, it's really not a smart approach though. If you think about it, like now I feel like they're much more informed and you have to like, you can't, you know, I was going to say something that I shouldn't have. So, you know, uh, you know, you just can't talk your way around it nowadays, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think the other piece is, is the sport has just, it wasn't as, covered as it was when I went, you know, you can't even find any clips, you know, we played in shorts with a white ball, like it's, it was just different, you know? And so I think the game, like just the exposure to the game, like, I think it's just tremendous. And I think what a great opportunity for us to be able to be on the TV, on TV, as much as we're on TV. Um, I, I have yet to meet one person that I will bring out to the field for the first time to a game and not love it. I mean, it's a great sport. And I think that's why it's really caught on. I mean, it's, 
it's fast moving, you know, you have, you know, people that are throwing in the upwards, upwards of 60, you know, 68 and, uh, and above, you know, you have like point, whatever it is, you know, 0.01%, you know, seconds to like make up your mind. I mean, it, there's just a lot of things that I think are really enjoyable for, for a fan to watch, you know, um, our cheers and, um, our chants and how, you know, all of our intricacies of the game and our, you know, like our handshakes and all of that stuff. Like, I just feel like it, you know, it brings people together. And, um, I think it's, you know, this, the exposure has really, I don't know, just taken off. I think about the first time I went to the world series as a coach at Stanford, uh, compared to the last time I went to the world series and kind of where it's at now, I mean, holy smokes, you know, you got triple decker, you know, and it's full and it's loud and you have ESPN setting up there. I mean, you know, I, I don't think you could have ever, I would have ever imagined that, you know, when I went there with, you know, John Rittman and Stanford and to where it is today. You got a degree in politics, which I probably <laughs> helps in coaching, to be quite honest. The more I thought about it, I was like, this is probably the best degree you could probably get for the coaching industry. And maybe, you know, uh, was that something that you wanted to pursue or was that just kind of a degree till you got to coaching? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, is everybody that was around me knew that I was going to go into coaching except for me. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to be a research lawyer. I wanted to, um, and my husband will tell you this, like, I love proving people wrong. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, I love to be that person that's like, Ooh, here's some information like, boom, you know, like, at, at, and so I love that role. Um, I don't like the limelight on me. Um, but I love like supplying information and then them shining. And so that's why I really wanted to go into law it's fascinating to me. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was going to be a research lawyer and here we go. Here I am. Yeah. I have never done anything in the law that I started coaching right after I was done because I needed some money and like, okay, like while I'm doing this, I'm going to figure it out. And 20 some odd years later, I'm still coaching. <laughs> yeah. That's uh well, everyone around you. And I'm sure that that is your family. And I know your, your, was your dad was a coach and, and yep. you're, you were, we were, if there's anyone that's read when we did like the new coaches and new places, we featured you and you kind of told the story about your family and kind of all that your parents had to overcome. You kind of explain that to, to some of the people that may not have read that just kind of what, what took place up at their home and, and let us know now if he's a, if they're planning to now relocate to Texas. Eventually. I know. Uh um yeah i mean we're we're a pretty small family um very close knit but my parents lived up in a town in northern california called paradise and so um gosh it's probably been i don't remember like probably 5 years my mom would be able to tell you but um regardless um they lost everything in in the fire and so it was um just, you know, a hard time, you know, like, obviously my mom was like, my mom is like the cutest, like little dorky grandma. And she was the cutest little mom. So like, she has stuff from my like kindergarten, like mom, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? But she had all of that stuff, you know, she had, you know, just boxes and boxes of all that stuff. And, um, you know, our hall was full of pictures of us growing up and just, you know, and so, it was hard for her, obviously, the, the, the fire, um, you know, obviously took all of that, all of her memories of her family, everything was gone. And um, if you've watched that, the, the, I think there was Netflix did a series on the Paradise Fires. 
my father was actually one of those vehicles going down um, uh, the hill, which I still get kind of emotional about because like just thinking about like, gosh, we were like that close to like losing him. And um, my, my parents were both, um, they're givers, they're givers. That's all they've done is serve their communities. My mom, um, she worked in the kitchen in the local um, school district. Um, she served the kids food. Um, so um, she she was uh, with the kids and making sure the kids had kind of gotten off the, the mountain. And then my dad obviously coached, um, you know, many sports, you know, in Paradise uh, at the Paradise High School. And so, you know, my dad just being who my dad is, like he's knocking on neighbors doors and trying to get them out. And he knew that like so and so is a they work at night and, you know, like they're not going to be up at this time because the fire moved very, very fast. So they, you know, again, like, but the thing is, is like in every kind of my outlook on life is like in every tragedy, there's something that is like, that happens that like is great, you know, and, and really something for us to get from it. And because of those fires, my parents moved to Arizona when I was obviously at ASU. So my kids got to be around both, you know, my, my parents, which, you know, obviously you just can't really, you know, you can't measure how, how great that is. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was wonderful. My sister who lived in a town um, next to paradise, Chico. So I have a younger sister has four kids. They also moved to Arizona. So everybody was in Arizona. So my sister has four kids. My two kids are together. Like we're all real happy. And then I decide, you know, um, Hey, we're going to go to Texas. <laughs> So, um, you know, but you know, when they moved there, I told them that I said, Hey, like, I'm not staying here because you're all here. Um, and, and my parents knew that and they never want that for me. I think that's the other thing is my parents, they always knew, um, you know, I told them I have one more move in me. And so, um, you know, again, you're just kind of addicted to be great. Like I want to be great. I want to, you know, see what I can do, see, you know, how many lives I can, uh, you know, change and, 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 and get better. And I think that's really what my calling is, is obviously I do it through softball, but I get to be part of their lives in very impactful times. And I love that, you know, and, and again, I'm not for everybody. That's, that's the other thing that you have to be okay with. And so, you know, I, I think they all moved to Arizona and they're all still there. My sister really enjoys it. Um, and so, you know, my parents are actually, this is crazy. Um, I'm trying to con them to maybe get a house here, or you know, maybe I'll build a casita or something, but they're actually going to move back. I think, um, you know, to their small town of paradise they're, they're, it's a very, very tight knit community and, um, they just miss their people. And so I think, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, but, um, you know, that I don't know how to explain it. Like if you live in the country, if you live in like small communities, like, you don't understand it until you're like part of it. And um, for my family, like that's kind of like that's home for them. And like being part of that is really important to them. So we'll get them out to Texas at some point. <laughs> well, every house in Texas has like nine bedrooms. So you, you'll find space. I mean, they're all like huge. I, you know, I've been there and then you watch all these shows, like it's an eight bedroom, 12 bath, like yeah. 3,000. You're like, what the heck? How is that yeah. possible? Yeah, exactly. I told my mom, I said, I will con you into, and I already told them they're young. So I said, it'll come a time where you're, you, you can't take care of yourself and guess what you'll be. Yeah. In the casita in the back. And we'll yeah, exactly. Um, well, you've been gracious and I know you, you've got to go talk to those pitchers again. I'm sure a few hitters mixed in there too. So just going to get you out on this since you're you know, a, now a new Texan there, and you probably maybe, I don't know if you were at the Appalachian State game, you know, I know everyone down there is still pretty sad about that last weekend, but uh, 
what things have you done in Texas so far? Have you been able to do anything that's kind of like quintessential Texas yet since you've been there? Um, gosh, I mean, yes, I've done midnight. Yeah. I've done some things that are really cool to Aggie land. Does that make sense? And so uh, midnight yell, um, I, I should post it. I went like the first weekend and I still haven't posted it. That's how far behind I am with life right now. But, um, midnight yell is really cool. You have 40,000 students and, um, fans in the stadium at midnight, uh, before the football home football games, you're learning the different yells and, it's just a really neat environment. It's unique. It's very unique. You have to experience it to kind of understand it. Obviously the football games, just the whole, uh, I don't, I don't know the just the whole, the whole day, like you go and, um, we, we watch the corpse come out, um, the cadets come out and they line up the, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank, but the cannon that they shoot off the cannon, they walk through campus. I mean, just all the pageantry that kind of goes along with college football is, is really cool. My husband used to be a college football coach. So, you know, he's in heaven right now. Um, so I think that part is good. We've obviously had some brisket and some barbecue and, you know, done some of those things. Um, but, you know, uh, people that know me know that I'm like working. That's what I, yeah, I, I go home, I say hello to my kids and, and I go to work like that's what I do. So uh, there'll be time, you know, and, you know, probably after this first year to kind of do some of that fun stuff. But um, right now my job is to get this thing um, in, in the direction and kind of move it in the direction I want it to go. Yeah, I have to say covering a football game there as a person that grew up in California with earthquakes, that was the closest thing I came to experience. Another, like that thing shakes, like you're just like, holy crap, what's going on when they start to really sway? Yes, I'm yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Like, is this yeah. normal? Is, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it is an experience. I recommend anyone get down to College Station for a football game if they can, because and the tailgating there and everything, it's pretty cool. So it is, it's, wow. it's a, it's a special place. I love it. It's like tucked in and I, I love that it's tucked in and it's kind of its own little universe. So, yeah, well, I, well, again, we really appreciate you making time. I know, like you said, you're busy and we appreciate that, but uh, we'll definitely try, we'll maybe try to get you back like before the season starts so we can get some progress updates there. Um, but we really appreciate you joining us on the D1 softball podcast. Thank you so much. You guys have a good one and you come. <laughs> Trisha Ford, Texas A&M head coach, new skipper over at College Station. Uh, just <laughs> she's cracking me up. I could talk to Trisha forever. I, I think uh, she, I think she's going to do well there. And I think that having that small, you know, town mentality, uh, growing up here in in California, in um, up near paradise california paradise thank you i'm like oh my gosh i've watched the netflix show so many times on the fires here in paradise i was gonna i think she she'll do well there i think that was a big concern for some of the aggies saying you know she's coming from the west coast and coming into the sec and having to deal with college station but sounds like she's ready to get to work and i love that about her she's all she's all business yeah, she's got a great personality. She's very relatable. Um, like she said, she's not for everyone. She's she's she said that many times, but um, she's obviously has a, a tremendous track record of success as a player and as a coach and kept Arizona State, man. I mean, they were, you know, won the title in a in a really, really, really hard conference. So um, I'm ex I'm eager to see her there. I'm excited. She like she said she's very, you know, she never had facilities quite like that and you know, oil money quite like that that jumps into those and the SEC money's a little different. So uh, I'm interested to see what she can build there. I think it's going to take a few years to get everything in, in, you know, in place, but 
Um, I have no doubt she'll have success there. And hopefully at some point she will also have her house non-tornado looking at some point, like <laughs> she was saying. So, uh, which I thought was hilarious because aren't we all at the same area of no matter if you're a coach or not, that tends to happen to a house, especially when you have children. Yeah. So head coach Trisha Ford, Texas A&M, head on over to the website, d1softball.com. Uh, like, subscribe, let us know what you think. Uh, we've got loads of stuff on there and we're just about to start fall reports. So uh, it's going to get pretty fun there. We'll have fall reports on all uh, the power five teams and then loads on the non-power five. We're, we're going to hit as many as we can and, and get those rolling out here pretty soon now that, that uh, fall ball has started. I uh, want to thank our sponsors, Bat Club USA, for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, head on over to Bat Club USA. Uh, dot com and, and anything and anything you need in terms of uh, bats and and it's great it's a subscription based service so I remember going through bats like crazy what if you know if I was still playing I I'm guessing my mom would would head on over to Bat Club USA and get me a subscription so I can get a new bat every month. <laughs> I know a lot of people that use it. I use it for the nonprofit I run to get bats for kids and they all love them. I mean I just I keep hearing great things about like the bats they get. So I know that they love it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that, I mean, they just happen to be a sponsor, but I, I was using them before they were a sponsor. So I definitely endorse it. So I would check it out, especially if you're, you know, they're expensive. So if you want to try to save some money, it's the, it's the, definitely the way to go. Yeah. You can head on over, get a bat for almost 20, just starting at $20 per month. So batclubusa.com. Uh, that's it for the podcast. I'm Tara Henry for Ann and Podkey. Thanks so much for joining us on the D1 Supple podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you all next week.